0: Hi, I'm Allison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. I'm so excited to start this journey with you. We have some pretty epic guests, conversations, and music in store, and we are just getting started, literally right now. Thank you so much for being part of it. I'm so glad you're here. Our guest today is Gavin Rosdell, frontman of the Grammy-nominated band Bush, who have sold over 20 million albums. Now, I do want to point out I perhaps made a polarizing choice by rocking the Bush t-shirt while interviewing Gavin, but you know what? I'm one of those people not only has no problem wearing the band t-shirt to go see the band, I proudly don the t-shirt to see the band. I don't know. I feel like it's just a, a sign of Love and respect for the artist. And that is something that none of us can ever get enough of or give enough of. So who's with me on that? I really would like to know. Gavin is truly a Renaissance man. And we talk all about his new album, The Art of Survival, his new cooking show, his love of tennis. He's an amazing athlete, by the way. His new clothing line, what he wants his future grandchild to call him, and how Bono really (laughs) him up. His words, not mine. It all starts now. So congrats on the Art of Survival, ninth studio album. It is one of my favorite albums, and it is hard as all hell, start to finish. And it starts with Heavy as the Ocean. And this song is unapologetic. It smashes you in the face and it grabs at them and does not let go and sets the tone and the intention for the album. So how did that song come about?
1: Uh, what's weird about that? Thank you. F- first off, I, I've got to say quickly when when we did the kingdom, you told me that was a masterpiece, and it was the most beautiful thing that oh. you've ever said to me or anyone's ever said to me. If someone puts masterpiece next to a body of work. Yeah, done. it's a great thing. So when I made this record, I was dying for you to hear it, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I did, I, you know, because I was like, well, would you like this as well? I was so going to send it to you. I was like, no, I got to resist, don't, because <laughs> I was thinking in your position, uh, you know, with all your. uh I I just can only imagine that people must be kind of leaning on you all the time. Here's this. Here's that. Please tell me. You know, validate me. Help me. What What is it? Do you think it's good? Do you think I should do this? And although I was really intrigued about that, I wanted to send you. Be like, what do you think of this one? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: was like, stay
1: cool. Wait till you go in there. So I'm really glad that uh, that you um, that you enjoyed it. So what happened is when I was uh, started to write. I, you know, like always, you happen upon something, you know, like, a, you know, that that whole riff and that whole uh, the beat and the riff. And uh, I was like, wow. And then when I got that Heavy as the Ocean when that came to me, I was thinking, this really sets the tone. This is what gives my sort of weather vane for the whole thing. It has to open the record. I've never done that with any song. Oh, really? I, I just somehow with that song, I was like, okay it helps me to know what should follow it. And if I hold that as the sort of the benchmark, yeah. then everything else makes sense with it. And so it was a weird thing because I, as I say, I've never done that, but it seemed really helpful. It was a real good guide, you know? It's
0: like a sonic compass.
1: Yeah, exactly. It and really it,
0: does though. Like it's, it's you know, album openers are so important. Mm. You know, some of the, the, smells like teen spirit opens, Never mind. You know, mm. I mean, it's insane. Um and That's the this way is, it
1: goes. I always think that yeah. I always think that when I get a new record from someone, I'm super intrigued. First thing I think about is okay, what do they want me to hear first? What do they what do they think is right. their best representation? You know, I done that, you know, I've done um, you know, some of those talent shows, like I did that no cover thing. Right. And, you know, someone come on and they play one song. And then, you know, they they sort of scrape through the next round. They go, they play a really good song. We're like, well, why didn't you play this song first and you'd be in a different position. Oh, we wanted to save it. We want to do this and that. It's like, well, no, you start off on a weak foot. Anyhow, I mean, what's weird is that my life uh, as a writer is is nothing but details. So every second is every detail. Like anyone who makes records. It's yeah. like, there's no... I, oh, don't worry about that minute, you know. Right, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You're Every like, second's you're essential. you fine tooth yeah. combing everything. And so, yeah. But I, I'm I'm happy. I was thinking about it a lot, you know, because it's really weird that I just want to do this heavy music. And I realized that after I did Black and White Rainbows and that kind of bruised record, when I kind of picked myself up off the floor, I was like, fuck that, I want to be heavy. I was realizing that um, when I do these um, shows, with other bands, with Mastodon, with whoever, you know, like powerful bands, I always would take the detuned songs off the records over the years. I'd always like, okay, that one, bring this one in, bring this one in, so that I could go out there and, you know, sort of set, hold face with with these uh, powerful bands. And then when I went Black White Rainbows, I just decided, I was like, oh, I don't do that, I want to make it, and I was like, so why not the whole way? So that's sort of how it was born to kind of, it's like, Coming like a phoenix out of the flames, but coming back like sort of like the UFC of, of, oh, yeah. of, of rock bands. You know? Back with the vengeance. Just, yeah. Because these last
0: two albums are pretty heavy. They're pretty mm. hard. I love them. Yeah. I loved The Kingdom. I think this is the perfect follow-up. I mean,
1: I like to, um you know, I love that. You can't sort of forsake mm. who you are. So even though I like that sort of more, you know, the heavier sound, I still want to try and sing on it. I like the trick is to try and find the kind of melodies that float across the top. Uh, and that's to me my sort of challenge. Weirdly, my life's work, which is funny. Like you think, like geez, just like, play something on a piano. What was going on? <laughs> no, like it's really heavy guitar.
0: But that's what's so beautiful about the music is that it's heavy, it's driving, it's like sick riffs. But then you have the, the melodic vocals, and, and for me, that that juxtaposition. It's just that that's what's so beautiful about it, you know, and that's kind of what's so harmonious. And like with the ocean heavy is the ocean, right. like just the imagery of it. Right. It's that juxtaposition or really the compliment.
1: I love my job. It's a great thing to be able to do. You know what I mean? Just making music, make stuff out of like, I, I see it like this It's like this real good pressure for anyone who makes music. There's way too much music in the world, but never enough great
0: music. That's true. And that And so true.
1: it's like, and, you know. I've done it loads of times where I sort of screwed up and probably made songs that I shouldn't have made or something like that. But now I feel quite uh, focused and uh, that um, all those songs should be made.
0: So you're in this creative zone now, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think that uh, um, I was always worried about that. And I just, it's Nick Cave is sort of like a guiding light of someone who's uh, a few years on me, but just the most prolific, interesting and he's even more varied than me because he does all that stuff with uh, Warren Ellis and the kind of the Carnage record, which is incredible. So good. Um, but just the idea of of uh, just maintaining the creativity and and actually... Uh, getting better at it, you know, like when you first start in a band, you, you never lift your head up. You have no sense of the horizon. You just sort of think, if I could just have a hit song or if I could, originally, if I could just get a record deal, if I could just get a song people like, if I just make an album. It's all those things, we never really lifting up. And then when you've been around a few years and you're like, oh, wow, I've got like, you know, 15 summers before I'm a burden. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, what do I do now, you know? Well, you better make, you know, you better really, you got to, it's a different time. It's a different different mindset. And uh, it's not maudlin, it's sort of uh, maturing. Uh, and I like it. And uh, I, Bowie said the best thing as many times he said it, but he said the uh, thing about getting older, what's interesting about it is that you become the person you should have been all along. Oh, my God. It's great, right? So good. And so creatively that's what I feel. And you know, on other levels in my life as well. I'm trying to get better as a person as we all should. But um it's definitely creatively I've never felt more before. I was a bit more I felt like I was really like instinctive in and and you know, like big swathes of ideas and but sometimes I miss some nuances and I and I could have worked things better and not been uh not self-satisfied, but like uh, sometimes as a songwriter, you, you kind of you have a sense that if you write anything where you feel it's done, like you look at, look at art, you look at painters, they just like, you go, are you not going to finish that face? It's like, no, that's what I saw. Right. That's what I feel. That's what I think. And so you have this intrinsic sort of way of um, knowing when you've done something. And now all that's happened is that I'm really rigorous and I'm really much more disciplined. I don't just say, ah, Chris will put something cool yeah. on it.
0: Right, right. You know, what's crazy to think about is that 16 Stone is turning 30 years. I mean, and to think about what we you're talking about, what we know, what Bowie said about getting older. If you can go back to the Gavin that wrote Come Down, mm-hmm. that was your first song that you mm-hmm. wrote completely by yourself. Right. Yeah. What would you say to him? What would you say to yourself then?
1: Well, you know, the best thing about it that I'm the most proud of is that I still get as excited when I put that together and I sang that bit on Come Down and, you know, sang the chorus and wrote the chorus, and I was like, whoa, okay. The alchemy of it is incredible because it's like, you know, chords are just the seven notes, you know, so you have chords, you play the chords, really simple. And then when you sing on the top, you get this incredible alchemy of, you know, like every song is based on that, you know. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I just um, had that same feeling. I still have the same feeling. When I wrote a song two days ago, that feeling, because it's just sort of in a weird way, it's like a kind of artisan, kind of, I don't know, f- noodle maker or something. It's like you just feel satisfied with the work that you do if you've put your life into it, and you know yeah. what I mean? and you I don't. Know, so, so it's, it's funny. I haven't lost my, my enthusiasm hasn't dimmed. I'm not like oh god the studio.
0: Well, you said you just wrote a song two days ago. Mm. Wow, is that? Are you just a prolific writer? Are you writing all of the time, or does something have to just strike you and you're like, let me get this down? Well, actually,
1: down"? I've I've written I have six um six tracks I've done uh, and and uh and then I got some music the other day from uh from Chris and uh, from Eric Ron the producers they sent me another track. Really? And so I was like, I had a fist fight with it in my studio. It was like quite difficult. I yeah, it was quite difficult. Um. Because I kept on not, not being satisfied with it, and I come in and listen to the and be like, it's not good enough. I didn't send it. I spent three or four days on it. I never done that, and I was like, I wanted to respect it, and then I had to change bits, move stuff around in order to um, get what I wanted. And uh, when I got it, it was great. Because for two, three days, I was like, this isn't right, and I was trying to be respectful. And then I decided to be disrespectful and move stuff around, and it worked better for me. Just to be really. Bit, uh, so
0: wait, so you're working on new music?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, my manager, uh, one of my managers, uh, Peter and Brian, but uh, Peter was like, it's all about consistency. So they wanted me to write a song for uh, Deluxe. for cool. Right. Yes. Deluxe. And just like, and then that's going to come out when the tour comes in February. So I have to go in tomorrow to sing it in the studio. And uh, because I did it at my studio. And um, yeah, that's the idea. And it's really good.
0: Is it heavy? Is it, I guess it's heavy.
1: All things must change. Wow. Yeah. Because I also have to uppers. say,
0: you are the king of the ballad as well. We have to address it. You <laughs> are a beautiful ballad writer.
1: Thank you. I love that. I, they they so, I, In a way, they come more easily. I have that maudlin inside. I do have that maudlin inside. So when I get into it, um, I'm only allowed one or two every record, even though I write five or six. <laughs> I bet. I'm I only bet. allowed because I understand, you know. And even now, that trying to get this set right for this tour coming up, you know, I've got a mellow song in the set, and then I probably play glycerine in the encore. So I'm allowing myself to do two, uh, two ballads. But the band like it because they sort of go off stage and sort of have a drink. They get a break. Have yeah. a drink and complain about something. <laughs> you know, it sounds terrible or something. You know, whatever bands do. <laughs>
0: Do you play glycerine every set?
1: Um, yeah, I th- more or less do. I think I've 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 done I've done a few uh, metal festivals where I felt that wasn't quite the song to do, and then other times I've done metal festivals where I thought that's exactly the song to right. do because everyone's been barking like a dog for three hours before us. There's heavy bands coming on, and and I and I. When well, I remember doing Soundwave and being like playing to you know a really big metal crowd, and I was like, I sang glycerine a cappella to the heaviest crowd you could that's ever badass. play to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is and badass. people and it's there's something about it that's part of the DNA. But you know, conversely, I was in a played one in Spain, a metal festival in Spain, <laughs> did not play it there. Did not play <laughs> it. <laughs> did not feel, feel like it. it. It's yeah, the feeling. It was really like every band you hear on every stage. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> hardcore. It's hardcore. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: it must be your skin. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a bit of a weird, you know. So, so not always, but most of the time, just because it's uh, I you know, my favorite fact is that things like you know, it's Slipknot, Stone Sour, uh, Limp Bizkit, all all the biggest songs are the ballads. Of course, all the biggest songs are the ballads. So, so you know, all, everyone's sort of super heavy and super dark, but weepy at the same time. Well, think about
0: Metallica. You know, one of the right. heaviest bands with such, mo- such melodic, sing-along, yeah. Yeah. anthemic, beautiful songs. Yeah, yeah, and that's really. nothing
1: else matters. One of the, it's probably that and Sandman. I yeah. think is, is is their biggest songs. So people like that. You know, it's a necessary part of life to have that sort of a moment of vulnerability. And uh, I get lost in them in those songs. Uh, and what I've always thought I should do and made a. It's a shame we haven't done it yet. But we should do it. Me and Chris have talked about it for years, is to do. Um, a small tour of like churches or somewhere and just go play you know 10 songs like that and have a mo have a have a sort of a That's transcendental beautiful. thing that you do we've always sort of two weeks one bus one crew one sound guy I love go that. around bare bones and just play in churches and you you could do that you could do like 12 cities it's easy oh my
0: god i love that idea. Know, we, we
1: want to do it but we keep on um keep on going on tour with Alice and Chains. No.
0: <laughs> How was it touring with Alice? I know that Jerry's going to come out on, on some dates of the headline yeah. tour you guys are going to do. What was it exciting. like being all together?
1: Well, it was beautiful. You know, we originally, I was going to tour with Breaking Benjamin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we discussed it, and I went to uh, Reno. Where we start the tour, weirdly enough. I went to Reno to do uh to sing a song with him and we sang that wood. The reason I did the Alison Chain song with uh Breaking Benjamin and Ben and, and the guys is because we were gonna tour together. So we just did it We like let's do a song together and announce the tour after. Then a bit more COVID happened and sort of like that. Mm. And uh and then I, I read I read somewhere like Alison Chains tour with breaking Benjamin. I was like, oh, oopsie, oh well. <laughs> There you go. That's showbiz for you. That's showbiz. <laughs> and then they asked us to come as uh, the, you know, guest, extra guest or special, special guest. Special Something, a guest, you know. <laughs> you know, guesty. <laughs> Very special. Very special. Very guesty. Special. Very guest-y. And, uh, <laughs> and we did it, and it turned out being um, an incredible tour. I, I realized it's funny when you, I've known us and Chains. I've loved them forever. But having the opportunity to to hear them every night, Getting to know them, you suddenly realize you're like, man, these guys are just incredible, and I love all these songs and I know all these songs, and um, it was just a really good energy backstage. Uh, There was a good vibe. We always have that good vibe because who wants to be away from your life and it's hard enough without having a great backstage, you know, the interconnection, camaraderie. Yeah, Yeah. it's important, and it's like being gracious, and you know, it's fun. You see people every day, and so I say hello to everyone. I hardly know anyone's names, but I'm really friendly. I just get really nervous about names or like to upset someone. So uh, I'm just uh but I I think it makes a more interesting tool. And people people root for you if you're cooler to them. You know, yeah, people you know, like that whole thing, don't look at them in the hallway. People are gonna hate you.
0: It's ridiculous. People are gonna hate
1: you. I want people to love us. I'm that's why I'm in a band. I want people to like us. Uh so it was really good and I got to sing with Alison Chain. So it's brilliant. When would I ever say I'd be like um Listen, I've really got to go because I'm singing. I'm in Allison Chains tonight, so i will soon a bit because <laughs> right. we play, and then I'll be hanging out somewhere. I like, gotta okay, okay, I'm in Alison Chains. Yeah, it's Sorry pretty awesome. That. It was really fun. That's pretty. And surreal. they, you know, they're so badass, and they sound so heavy, and um, it's just really good fun. And then Jerry came and played with us um, a few nights, and Ben played with us a so few awesome. nights. So awesome. And so that, and the people love that. The crowd love that <sighs> because then you're sort of a real. It really is it's a family. Yeah, it's a familial it's a touring, feeling. It's a celebration. It's a, some kind of touring circus. What you was know?
0: your relationship with, with Alice Alison Chains in the nineties?
1: Well, reverence, and okay. ne- never knew. Did you know? Like, I I met him a few. Like Jerry was really friendly to me always. That's awesome. Yeah, really friendly to me. When we got on, great. But it never went beyond seeing at an award show or a festival. It was always limited, but it was always respectful and nice. And then, and then I we have a brilliant mutual friend in Tyler Bates. He's cool, like yeah. one of my closest friends and he's one of Jerry's closest yeah. friends. So um, I've, I met him a few times through with Tyler and it just got more and more social and more relaxed and fun. And now I've, I feel very uh, tight with him, very close that's to him. So which I wasn't. Which I wasn't before. I was just a good acquaintance. And now I'm sort of like, a, you know, good buddies and can, can, can hang out that's with him. That's wonderful. Yeah, it does. It makes – it's really fun because in a way – you can get caught up in the whole thing of just working so hard. You're always touring. The only time you see other bands is at festivals or award shows. And then obviously award shows are rock bands. That <laughs> I don't know when they were. Right, some of course. Time ago. Yeah, I mean... Back in the day, the 90s, everything was about all these shows and everything was together. Uh, someone asked me the other day what I miss about the 90s, actually. And I said... Uh, I
0: miss everything. <laughs> I,
1: what I, I realized that what I did miss was having our world uh, being as the center stage for... For pop culture, right, and now we've had to sort of accept that uh, it's not, um, and it has a counterculture. Even though I get thrown, because then you go and play festivals where there's like seventy thousand people, so it's like it's not dead, but it's just in a different place. It's <laughs> right? true. The
0: nineties were so unique because the alternative culture was mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the irony of it. And now it's just it's still so alive and well. It's just not that mainstream that right. was like. It's
1: almost where it should be because it's like. It is counterculture, and it's counter-ideas, right. and it is sort of has a revolutionary side and an uplifting side that just sort of doesn't come from being the most, uh, the biggest thing. I don't know. It's right. like a weird, it's a. I, I, I'm at peace with it. It just yeah. sort of is what it is. It's, it's just, perfect. It's, right. it's, it is what it is. And as long as I get the chance to come in here and make records and go on tour and play to a lot of people, which we do, uh don't know what there's not not much to complain about you know what i mean and and some of the things in the modern culture the popular culture some of the tracks and and the music and is uh is really fun and really good so it's like fair enough you know i just think it's the job of everyone in rock bands to do make the best records you can because it's popularity as a a genre is dependent on the records that are coming up you know of course, the Zeppelin catalog is, is is essential and brilliant. But in order for it to, to be in the mainstream, people got to make the best records. And the less homogenized records people yeah. make in the rock world, the better. The more individual, the better, you know, because then you start getting, you know, great bands. I mean, you know, you take Idols. And you I take, love Idols. You take, uh, you know, the Deftones and you take a few bands. And you just, I've always thought that... Um, the funny part is there's, there is no competition in music except with yourself, because people, I want a great record from Bad Wolves and the next Deftones record... And uh, from whoever, Wet Leg. Yeah, I'm not mad at anyone for making a good record. And it's not It's not like, oh, no, that's too good. And it's good. I, How amazing. You can spin through three or four records of that genre and be, be into it. And so it's so everyone's responsibility that makes yeah. rock music to make it as interesting and as diverse as possible. I love that. You're you know?
0: absolutely right. And I think it is as diverse as it's ever been as right now. Mm-hmm. Like even the term rock, you yeah. know, an alternative is so ambiguous and it almost means different things to different people right but i'm all about celebrating all of it
1: yeah it's 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 a beautiful time um i think that the there's a terrible things there's the war the pandemic there's just incredibly bad things going on but at the same time i think it's a really um it's the most progressive time i mean the the support for in the mental health world yes has never been there now, that's, even though people say mental health awareness, you know, it's like, well, they're saying it 10 years ago. No one even spoke about that. So people would just sort of write songs or, or make work to kind of deal with their neuroses. And now people have lots of forms of support. Uh, technology is incredible. This chat GPT is insane yeah. uh, where the world is going. I think it's a really exciting time.
0: I think it's such an exciting time. Super exciting time. time. You're absolutely right. I think that people might not realize how many obstacles you had to overcome to get to where you are. And in several interviews, you've said that you always felt like, Timing wasn't on your side, you know, like you, you were in England at the time where the music you were doing was not popular. You got a lot of criticism about your voice, <laughs> your, mm. your main instrument. And I just think that that's really rewarding for people to hear that you had a lot of things stacked against you, but you persevered and made it work
1: for yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way. There's no st- success story that uh, that doesn't come with uh, so much torture with it. <laughs> right, right. But I mean because life is about how you deal with the torture yeah because life has a way of slapping you in the face as much as it has a way of caressing you you know and so yeah. I don't think it's any different for anybody um and what's most intriguing is when you talk to anyone who's had any degree of success they'll give you a, a roadmap that was not pretty I mean I, I don't right. know anyone has that sort of perfect Forest. arc of things like that and um I think that's what makes you, and that's what also what separates you because people fall by the wayside. They just lack. I mean, you are the opposite of this because it, it's it's motivation. It's motivation. It's how motivated are you? It's not. It's not the best people that succeed. It's the most motivated people that succeed. I the love best that. people, sort of. You know, unless they have motivation, it's, it's it's redundant because you're going to be overtaken by someone who has got way more motivation than you. And so you're just in the dust with one bit of great thing. But they've done, you know, five, six, seven things. And so that's what it comes down to. And you you sit with anyone who's really uh, achieved stuff. You'll be that roadmap will also show uh, a, a massive amount of tenacity in the face of failure, uh, near misses and um, motivation and it is like, it's motivation and discipline They're sort of intertwined, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what it is, you know? Sit there and do it. Like for me, I've had a lot of success, but I'm like being, not harassed, but suggested that I should bring some new music. I never writ- brought out a record and then two weeks later I'm sat in my studio. But it was really good to do that because I was like, oh, this first one's not so good, but the second one's better. So it's like a muscle, you gotta keep going. So, okay. So now I just sort of go, I accept it. If I don't have anything to do, else I, in a in day, I should go in and see see what happens. Because I'm, I've never been six or seven songs in of stuff I love uh, uh, within two months of a record coming out. It's like, normally I'm like lazy, unmotivated guy that goes, oh no, I, this is my time off. <laughs> you know, I right. don't have to think about writing, but why not? You know, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I, one thing I probably have lacked is um, a little bit of consistency. And there've been times where too long has lapsed in between uh, records and I've done tours, but then I'm just, you know, and then what, take too long to come back and then, okay, now I'm gonna write. Now i five, six months not doing anything because I was sitting in the studio trying to write. And then, you know, so this feels better. It's more sort of ongoing
0: that's what makes you a rock star cuz you are a rock star in, in the literal sense but you have a, a rock and roll spirit mm-hmm. that applies not only to your music but it's it's how you approach life i mean you pour it into everything you do you have numerous passions numerous talents and you pursue them all consistently relentlessly and with fervor you know <laughs> i mean people might not know that of course music seems to be your you know your grounding pillar but your love of physical fitness and sport, your love Mm. of food and cooking and family. Mm. It's almost like each one is as important and plays its role. And to me, that's why that makes you such a rock star.
1: Thank you. Yeah, they're very essential parts of, you know, of of life. And in in a weird way, I sort of do very few things so that I can do those things as well as I can. You know, anyone's, you know, I dedicated my life to tennis and people say, hey, you want to try this? You want to go surfing? I'm like, hell no, I'm having trouble with this. This is right. enough to keep me going and focus. So you like
0: to focus someone and get Hyper-focus, really
1: good at it. Yeah, because then you, it's so much more fun. I mean, yeah, the years I've spent playing tennis mean that when I play, it's really fun. It's an incredible workout because it, I shouldn't miss the ball too often. Right. But if you miss the ball all the time, it's not really a workout. You're right. You're basically that's picking true. the ball up.
0: That's true. <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> you. Know, care
1: for your back. Yeah. Yeah. Back for your back. You're running out to, in the park, so You know, you're going, you're stepping across someone's picnic going, I'm sorry, keep that ball back. Like that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you, if you hit it so you make it work and you have to hit 30 of them in a row, that's a different workout. <laughs> that's a an, I mean, you're out. an
0: athlete, though, through and through. I mean, you grew up, you were like a semi-professional yeah. soccer player. Your, your live shows are so physical. Tennis, I mean, has, has I'm physical- an art jock.
1: I'm an art jock. You're an art that, jock. That's what I am. That's what yes. I am. Because I, I love sport. I've always loved it, you know. Bob Marley was a great... He loved his football and, and, and people, uh, you know, I just... I don't know. It's a really good thing uh, to do. And in fact, there's been so much rain that I have, have not really been out as much as yes. I haven't played for a while.
0: But. What about eating? Do you eat a certain way? I mean, I know you, of course, love food.
1: Yeah. Um, I just I just live it up. I just, you know, I'm not an idiot. And I, so I don't have fried chicken every night, but I love fried chicken. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, it's all moderation. Everything in moderation, including moderation. right? Of course. That? I, I, Oscar live, wild. I live by that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I just, you have that balance. And I just know I, I need to, going on tours is a bit of a drag because you end up drinking every day because mm-hmm. you just can't help it. It's right there. And I'm like... I don't know if I should keep drinking every single day, but I guess that's being English and stuff like that. It's not like I'm not even a heavy drinker, but so that I need to think about that stuff a bit more carefully. (laughs) Just try and avoid it. Funny enough, like three or four nights in, I don't know what to drink. I've had enough. I'm right, like, oh. it's true.
0: It's like diminishing returns.
1: Well, especially if you have like a you know, a couple of tequilas that we do on New Year's Eve. This we did. We play the night before New Year's Eve. And it's a laugh. We had the nineteen forty two and Chris and the, uh, Chris and the ice and yeah. great time. Not mad, but like, you know, three or four good tequilas, yeah. having a laugh. Go to bed. Next day is New Year's Eve. We're playing. You know, what do you want to drink? I was like, oh, I, I don't can't. know if I really wanna.
0: Yeah. Now let's talk about your love of cooking. You are so adept.
1: I don't know what that is. I just have a real connection to it. I love it. And I just love, um, I think it's just, you know, I've cooked for you. And uh, it's just that thing of, it's so much, it, it's such an act of sort of care and semi-servitude. Well, yeah. like it's care, it's an act of care and indulgence, you know, the longer you take to make it. So just, because it just elevates the moment, elevates the, the the connection, elevates everything. And, you know, in this world where my kids are just obsessed with like, you know what I mean? Being online and playing Fortnite or GTA. And now they play together against the world. It's pretty fun. I have three boys and they in different rooms, they're all playing together against strangers online. <laughs> and then you get you, you know, I'm like, what, you, you know, What's going on shout, here? Yeah. shouting at each other for the eight year old is not doing it, but he's really good. He's better than the other oh, two. Oh, is he? That's yeah, amazing. he's really good. It was, you know, because they, they're young. He's grown up with it. Yeah. He's just really good. He takes them out. So. The meal time is really uh, important, I think, really yeah. essential for us to connect and just sit there. We just all sit there. So, if you did it where it's more staggered and broken, and you know, like when they're not there, I might eat standing up. You know, do you know what I mean? It's not not, but when they're there, uh, it's really fun to uh, create that bond. So or have beautiful. that, maintain that bond. I what makes say.
0: it? Music and food are both universal languages. Yeah. they're a way to to express yourself. Yeah. It's an outlet to create. Do you approach sort of how you create? music differently than how you create recipes or food or
1: well i think there's everything's about the balance of things mm-hmm. so no they're probably really similar i mean i'm i'm not i'm not that smart so it's like i probably have a, a system that i apply to everything
0: <laughs> you know what i mean
1: <laughs> so i probably play tennis the same way that i cook and then break things down and just sort of um uh there's just the right you know is it tom waits my favorite oh. you know that that phrase
0: say it again though please it's so the good way you do anything it, is the way you do everything yeah it's Better so, when you say it. Let me hear you.
1: Well, it's the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. And I love that. It's just, and it's so true. And um, if you live like that, it's a really good guide.
0: It's absolutely You beautiful. know, it's
1: a healthful guide, but yeah, it's just a laugh.
0: I need to reiterate to everyone listening that Gavin is a generous cook. And one of my best nights was coming over to your beautiful home and having you cook for me. It was a very out of body experience. Here is Gavin Rosdell shaving truffles for me. Right.
1: Yeah. We'll <laughs> I was like, Am
0: I in a dream right now? Is this really <laughs> happening? And then, like, more truffles would come over, and you were just so gracious. And that was one of my favorite nights ever. Just oh, wow. so you understand. Wow. Thank you. You're really, really talented. Good. I don't think people hear, oh, I play tennis or I cook. You're being modest. You're excellent. You're mm. very, very adept. You know, I don't know if people realize. But terrible, terrible, terrible at golf. Terrible. That's a different I've kind never of played thing.
1: it. I've never played it.
0: You were on Rachel Ray and you quoted the English. Cook- I've seen everything. Uh, <laughs> oh, Nigella yeah. Lawson and you said, butter is a mood enhancer. And you really, that's really spoke to me. Yeah. Can you please say that again? Because I keep like hearing it in my mind. Well,
1: Nigella Lawson is is a phenomenon, and she's this wonderful cook, um, cookie writer, and and uh, cook. I mean, because she doesn't cook any professional kitchen, such so as a chef. But anyway, amazing woman, and that's what she said. Her uh, she has this wonderful way of talking, and. Um, She's very charismatic and very sort of sensual, and she just—that's what she said. Butter is a mood enhancer, and that's so true. As soon as you put add butter to anything, you go everything's better with butter, you know, because you and finish it in sauces center. and it it it, it 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 emulsifies things and it gives it a little sheen. And uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like you can put it in a scrambled egg to finish it. So yeah, the, Rachel Ray was fun because they were like, "You got to cook something." I was like, "Oh my god!" And how long have I got? They're like, "Couple of minutes," and I was like. I haven't had a good scrambled egg at all on this whole tour. I'm doing eggs. Perfect. I'm doing eggs.
0: But you did it several ways. Yeah. I love that. So well, much Well, because I didn't
1: it. know if they shortchanged me. All right, if it, I didn't want to shortchange them and be like, all right, you made scrambled eggs whoopee-doo. So I, was like, I, had, to it was like, I had to do three.
0: It was very artistic. Just, very do, uh,
1: just do three. Just to step it up, you know.
0: We have to talk about your cooking show, Eat. This yes. has been in the works for a long oh, time God. as it's finally happening.
1: Yeah, well, it's the I'm at the last stage of it, which is it's really hard to get stuff made. Yes, it's really, really hard, and it's been like four four years. It's the weirdest thing. Again, there's that story. Like this will it will come out, and people will like it, and people will be like, "Oh, look at it! Like it's so great." They won't know that I spent five years trying to make it. Five years of the wrong producers, five years of the wrong showrunners, deals that fell through. Everyone loves it except commissioning editors. Like if I showed it to you, you'd be like, oh my God, I'm watching that. Everyone says, I want to watch that because I've shot two episodes. Uh, So we have a home for it and now it's the last piece of the financing and I'm just like, anytime it's ready, because people are really asking me about it. If we can, (laughs) you know, how's it going? So uh, I don't know. It's just that this is the last stage, but the hardest thing is to get it going. Mm -hmm. Once it gets going, then it'd be much much easier because people will uh, have faith in it and believe it you know so so yeah i'm close to doing it basically it's really based on um i love to cook as you know and i was looking to ways to um stay home more right. and not have to tour like i've got to go tour to to pay for the food we like right of <laughs> course go on tour. So those troubles, the troubles
0: the that you I, gave yeah,
1: me i got to go on tour for those troubles and um which is okay. I accept that. But, you know, having so many kids, it's nice to be around. And and I was thinking, is there something I can do that's here and just work in town? Why not every – so um, that's that's how it began. And uh, I originally did it as a, as, as a dinner for six because I thought um, of John Favreau's. He did it dinner for yes. five. And I was like – so I went <laughs> for lunch with him. I took him for lunch and I was asking him about it. And I was like thinking, ooh, making five other people all relaxed at once and cooking – I was like, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. One on one, one on one. Yeah. is the move. And then suddenly you have this amazing uh connection. Like, we're doing exactly what we're right. doing, but with wine, uh, with the truffles.
0: Sign me up. <laughs> it's and like, truffles. Yeah. It would it, it, be that and so,
1: so that's that's what it is. It's really basic. I mean, I think the simplest things are often the best ideas. And uh I loved what I found out from with Tom Jones. I shot him and um uh Jack McBrayer and just was sat back in kind of like awe at their journeys and what right. they've been doing, how they got there and really interesting people. And Tom Jones obviously is unbelievable um inspiring. And uh just hearing about his background and how it began and his time in, you know, whatever, guitar shopping with Elvis. I think beyond, that's just stupid. Beyond, yeah. It's really stupid.
0: Who would be a dream guest for you on your show?
1: I mean anyone from Quentin Tarantino, uh to uh, Steven Spielberg, Amazing. to, um, you know, get Dave Grohl to come in, sing with him, cook for him, uh. have a laugh, you know. But I don't know, you know, all these things. I, I, I'm i not going to be asking any of my friends because it's embarrassing. I know they wouldn't, you know, they, you don't, don't want to say no. So uh, I'll see. It's just I, I want to take people that I respect and I think are really creative and have been on a specific journey. <sighs>
0: Did your family realize how lucky – they are to have you cook for them?
1: Well, um, you'd have to ask him. I don't know. I think so, probably. Um, what's funny about it is is that I found out that my 16-year-old, he loves – he doesn't really help, but he likes it. He loves the food and he's got a killer palate. And it, he cooks at his mum's.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: So it kind of rubs off, but that's then, so beautiful. Yeah. Well, sort of. He calls me up for advice, and I'm like, oh, well, Can I tell you about the bit that you boys are going to eat, and then do the bit to the rest of it? I don't care about so much. <laughs> you know, season this bit. Right. Do not, do not take care of that bit of it. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to sabotage like... the rest of it. But I'll give – what bit are you going to eat? <laughs> right, right. I'll,
0: I'll give you different directions depending on yeah, which part. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have more of your family to cook for because you were going to be a grandfather.
1: Oh, my God, yeah.
0: I mean, how does that make you feel? Daisy is pregnant. Congratulations.
1: It's incredible. I mean, my ego was a bit uh, uh, rocked. Uh, but <laughs> I think that I realized that – how amazing because I would get to know her um, – you know i mean i won't be some like old fart who can't you know Ugh. it's like i'm just yeah whatever you know like and i think that's that's i'm really happy about that because it's a it's such a legacy i mean it's incredible uh we all think of ourselves as 18 mentally right, course, you know in our 100%. lives and uh it's it's a shock when you kind of you you either see yourself or you consider where you're at in your life so It's amazing, you know. um, I think it's it's just I love that whole thing of having a massive family and and having it all like that. So um, I'm really really happy for her. What she, you know, she's going to be amazing. So it's really good. So yeah.
0: What are you going to be called? Papa. Papa. Oh, I went
1: straight in for that. I was like, okay, this is then Monica. We got to deal with a Monica, okay? (laughs) None of that. You don't be giving me any. This is what we want. I won't answer to anything else, okay? Okay, so so you're so it's Papa. Papa.
0: Pop, that's so sweet.
1: Yeah, it'd be great. It's it's wonderful. It's just, I mean, what a rich life! I'm so um, uh, lucky. You know what I mean? I sort of, so many times it could have gone off the rails, and things have happened that, you know, could have meant that I wouldn't have been here in this seat today. But through design and through um, motivation and uh, the the fortune of being around a lot of great people. Uh, I get to be here today and that's uh that's a that's an incredible thing because I got to really, do you know what I mean, I got to really screwed up and written some terrible songs in the last few years and not really, you know, oh, I tried and just, you know what I mean, it happens. People do fall away despite their best intentions or best desires, you know. And so the fact is to keep it keep my shit together enough to get to this point today in Burbank, that's cool, and and like to have a. I mean, Snoop has, I think, a number of of uh, of he's Papa to a number of kids. Mm-hmm. So right, it's just how it goes, and in fact, it's sort of you know in England normally sort of within my life, like about twenty years ago is when people start getting that you know normally because they have kids and their kids have kids when they're in their twenties. Yeah, it's over. You know, I'd, li- I'd like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's just it's a beautiful life. It's just it's really. It's how it should be. And uh, that's an achievement in and of itself, you know? That's
0: beautiful. And we also can't forget your clothing line. I mean, as if this, this is all weren't enough, you yeah. now have the clothing line that's yeah. coming back.
1: Yeah, that's coming back too. That's going to be on sale in two weeks. It's going to be con- coincide with the tour. I'm going to start with just like basics. Like it's like three two or three t-shirts and a hoodie. in a couple of color swaps. I have the whole Shopify account and everything. It's really close. That's unbelievable. I don't know how we're going to market it. So thanks for the plug because I'm I'm screwed on that front. Uh, But it's like, um, so it's very simple. So every five, six weeks, I'm going to drop another piece. And then you've got the nutrition facts where I took the back of a food label and I changed it to humanist stuff. Wow. So it's it's kind of, it's all the, you know, because you have the tra- trans fat bit. Of course, yeah. So to, uh, you know, I put all that as all rights. It's That's all got awesome. trans rights, uh, whatever rights, saturated wow. rights, like that. It's all the thing and then all the percentages to it. It's it's, it's funky, it's cool, it's got a thing.
0: I feel like your your mind is always racing. You're always feeling needs to create and it's out several outlets and you're always doing. What is What do you do to sort of, become grounded and to calm down and to take a moment and actually think about nothing. Is that difficult for you? It's difficult,
1: but I'm really in love with Bono's book. I'm halfway through Bono's book and I'm dying to, um, I can't wait to finish it because I don't know. I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to read it, but I know it's quite a, it's a long read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's quite, um, he's, he's uh He, he wasn't on tour, so he had a lot to say (laughs) and it's brilliant. It's just all these funny things. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, I'm a huge U2 fan and, um, really inspired by them. And it's funny because I think that I haven't spoken about it enough. I haven't spoken enough about how his melodies and how his words, um, affected me and provided a benchmark that I'm not necessarily anywhere near reaching, but, um, just a very 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 powerful band and i love them as people i toured with them as institute i never toured with them with bush because we didn't play for anyone back in the day when we was fab didn't open for anyone now it's so, like you know just, what do you got Are we open for anyone but um <laughs> but uh apparently but um not anyone no no obviously i was happy i, I was very happy this summer it was good good good, good. but um
0: I didn't realize that you loved you too like that. I feel the same way. No, I do. Yeah. It's just
1: just because you can't. I mean, the Joshua Tree, the unforgettable fire, bad those songs with or without you. Mm-hmm. I remember it's really formative time. I remember being in my kitchen, uh, one room down from where where I wrote all the sixteen Stone songs. Where I wrote Come Down in that kitchen, oh, wow. graffiti laden kitchen with like a little single cooker and uh, super super uh, fun punk uh, location. And uh, I remember coming home, and uh, when the Joshua Tree came out, and had a little like a tiny little uh, hi-fi system, and I remember remember sitting the the player on my fridge and playing with or without you because they're sort of their new what's happened. I was like, oh, this is way slower than I was expecting. How do we got you know? Yeah, and yet being seduced by it within you know twenty seconds, and uh, so massive for me. And then when I went on tour with them uh I think we went twice with him. I had so much fun just sitting there watching him
0: every watching, night. Watching every. Bono in particular, well, watching or the or whole, whole band, whole band yeah. But
1: yeah, watching him. I mean he's a he's a master yeah. master on stage. And uh there's a one of the, my favorite singer probably he's probably my favorite singer of all time.
0: Wow. I think
1: him and Chino, I like their voices. Chino's not amazing. not crazy dissimilar in a way. Right. Similar plaintive uh, howls that sound really good. It's true. You know they have a it's connection. True. I never and, thought uh,
0: about that before, but yeah. yeah, I do see that. So
1: I'm doing that, but I find it quite hard to just sit there. I did. I did invest in an infrared sauna that apparently is really good for you. Really? Yeah. So infrared and to put it outside. But I got YouTube in there, so I watch cooking videos, cook, instructional. <laughs> I sit in there and sweat. So I work out. Then That's I sit amazing. in there and sweat. And uh, I've got YouTube in there. It's brilliant. I can just, like, watch. I, w- I, I just Google, like, Michelin, three Michelin-starred chef examples or demos. And they sit there and they do something complex. And I'm like, okay. That's how do that. All right. Just learn little bits. So that, I, I, that's super relaxing for me.
0: What about right before you take the stage? Like, what's going through your mind?
1: Um, just to warm up really properly. And I'm super relaxed. Um, I can be talking to you this And just, you know, as long as I'm warmed yeah. up, my body's warmed up. I mean, like I'm a diesel engine now. So it's got like, the body's got to be right. The voice is, the, definitely my voice has to be warmed up. Right. And I can't, I have to warm up physically because I can't go out on stage and bounce around.
0: I had this picture of you. I love this picture. You're about to take the stage. <laughs> and then I also realized... That there, I am photobombing you, right? Oh
1: wow, nice!
0: (laughs) This was really funny. Bush had posted this on their Instagram, and I'm like looking at the picture, and I'm like, "Oh my god, there I am!
1: There There I am with Brian, right there there in the back."
0: I was very pregnant at this show.
1: You're very both in shorts, both in shorts, Brian, (laughs) rocking the shorts. I like it. I like it.
0: I think this was at the Greek. When you guys did that. Oh, that's and then nice. here's another picture of us. This is at the Roxy.
1: Wow. Um, that's really nice. That
0: was a fun night. That Roxy. Playing the Roxy is like so special.
1: I do remember that night. Yeah, it was such a fun time. One last pictures.
0: Okay, so I have one last thing to do and I will stop torturing you. There's no
1: torture. I'm having fun.
0: It's now time for my lightning round, my deep cuts. Okay. Okay. If you weren't a musician, what would you be? Uh a uh, cook. Of course. What was the album that changed your life?
1: um probably uh ziggy stardust
0: oh amazing was there a movie that changed your life
1: well a movie that changed my life no
0: or a go-to that you love
1: <laughs> yeah go-to i mean i i love scorsese yeah. he is is my you know Goodfellas. I've seen so the most good. amount of times of any movie, I think. Uh, uh, my favorite movie, my go-to movie would be Silence of the Lambs.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: Just because Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster, you know, Jonathan Demme. That's just, a perfect film. It's a really crazy film.
0: What was your first concert?
1: First concert, my sister's boyfriend band called The Nobodies at a sort of a miscellaneous pub in Kentish Town in London.
0: Do you remember how you felt
1: that day? Exhilarated. I used to carry his bait. He used to, he used to sort of help. Te- I didn't help really at all. I was used to go to these dank, stinky, cold uh, rehearsal rooms and thought they're the most exciting places I'd ever been. You know, so I would help. Uh, load gear in and help them a bit. I, I don't. I don't think I really helped very much.
0: But like <laughs> You're hanging help. out.
1: Yeah, I was hanging out there, and like supporting. you know. Yeah, I was just like the kid, the kid, the kid brother. And and uh, what was cool is my sister was a very very cool punk. So it was a lot of um English punks, and I just was like the uh, you know like always in that punk world you'd have like the the young kid with like the egg white in his hair so it's all spiky and. Just all the safety pins and just yeah. hanging out with my sister and all of her friends, and it was like you know. Uh, so that was probably that was my first gig.
0: Do you think it was maybe that moment when you realized that's what you wanted to do?
1: Well, the fact that I was wasn't turned off by these terrible rehearsal rooms <laughs> made me gave me an inkling that I sort of liked. You know, sometimes when I when I have people come visit, especially with playing like I mean the beginning the clubs. Sort of quite hardcore, you know what I mean? Like at one toilet for like yeah. everyone, including the crowd, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. And you have like terrible dressing rooms and your shit, you know. It like like separates. Either you have the guts to just go through that and 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 embrace that and have a laugh with it, or you're just like, oh my god, how can I live like this? And I was like, I loved it. It just sort of appealed to my. I don't know, just appeal to me. And I, and sometimes when I you have friends come visit, I sort of feel bad for them because I know that it's a bit rough for them, a bit rough living. I remember friends of mine coming to see me on the bus when I was like, you know, you've got these European, you know, these buses in Europe especially where there's tiny like little, you sleep in a little like coffin. Right. And just people come in seeing it, just who kind of lived a nicer life than that, kind of going, oh… You know, how it's really hardcore. It's like a kitchen, you know, like the food comes out amazing. but When you go in the kitchen, it's pretty hardcore. Right. It's just, you know, it's a different thing, you know, behind the scenes. It's of course. Not quite as, uh, it's not the finished thing. It's,
0: that's what's rock and rock roll, rock and roll.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what is a song you wish you wrote?
1: Oh, my God, bad.
0: Oh, uh, you too? Yeah, that song. Wow. We, you know, Chills.
1: I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, I
0: mean, any of them, really. Trees
1: have no name. I can go on forever. Uh, one. One is oh probably my the best god. song ever.
0: Did you see Eddie Vedder do one at the Kennedy Center Honors? Oh my yeah. god, he crushed it. He, that's, a hard, that's hard to do, you know. Yeah,
1: he changed the phrasing too much for me personally, but right. cool. I mean, I just no one's going to sing it like Bonham. Right, of course. I mean, I, I, I obviously Eddie's great, and I respect him a lot, but
0: well, actually, Mary J. Blige was supposed to sing it, but she had fallen ill, so he like did it last minute. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you know
1: what I liked about it was impressive as he sang it. As he should, like Eddie Vedder, right. So he showed he has a whole different phrasing approach. He's all he's much more fills it, yeah. Whereas Bono has a bit more um, has a phrasing different phrasing. So that's what it was. I'm just so uh, you know obviously obviously I have a deep respect for um uh, for Eddie Vedder, but um. I do love it when Bono sings that song, yeah, I've got to say, it's he's really, really good. It's just and I've been fortunate enough to be around him quite a bit, and just uh my favorite thing with him is, uh, in fact, he fucked me up because one time he's in my studio, and I uh, had these these speakers, and I think there was sort of ATC. there were 50 watts, pretty loud for a small yeah. studio. He played me the U2 record of the time. And he sang
0: oh my god,
1: to me the whole record, right? It's kind of it's funny. But then I played him some stuff of mine, and he's really helped. With, I've, I've done it for a long time where I would send him records and get critiques on songs. Wow. Right? Just sort of to get some help from him, what he'd think. And I uh, didn't do it in the last couple of records, actually. I was scared it got a bit heavy for him. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I played him uh, the Bush record, what we're doing. And he was talking to me over it, and I was like –
0: like while you are playing, yeah. Him. And I was okay. thinking,
1: I need to get some speakers so I can't hear. This is he's, he can't be able to talk over the fucking music. So I got the one fifties. So oh. I, it cost me <laughs> I spent another ten grand or something, fourteen oh grand on these god. speakers, yeah. so that no one could speak to me ever again if I am playing a song. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear anyone. But like, after, after yeah. yeah let's pay
0: a second. <laughs> oh my god! Bono. So, yeah. Out. yeah. Um, what is something people would be surprised to learn about you?
1: How much uh, part of the process of Writing is to have crippling self-doubt and imposter syndrome. It's really hard to avoid. You know, when it's not going right, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, I don't, I don't really have imposter syndrome like I'm fraud. Just sometimes I go, that's not very good.
0: Right, <laughs> You know, right, right, oh,
1: right, what right. am I going to do? It's not very good. And it's not good until it's good. You know, when yeah. you're in a studio and someone's playing something and they're not delivering, you go, we have this phrase in the studio we use, we go, uh, could he, I don't know, just do something good.
0: I love that. <laughs> do, do, something so it's do something good. good. I, do yeah, something good. I don't
1: know about that. Not feeling like do, do something good.
0: Kind of takes the pressure off, and it's just it's good. just
1: that thing. And so, I, I part of the process for me. I have my best friend Alex in London. He laughs at me because, you know, before I wrote the song, these last few days when I was writing some songs, at the start I was all paranoid on the phone to him. I was like, oh, I don't know, it's, it's not coming right, and I can't get. the... Oh, this, he goes, it's exhausting. Your process is exhausting. Let's talk in a couple of days. And then I then I send him a song. Hey, yeah. He goes, okay, can we just ever avoid that first stage yes. of the self doubt? So I think that, that people assume that people with success have this sort of, um, I mean, this is in a way to sort of help people who also have that sense of self doubt when they're working, is that it's a natural part of creativity. Right. And without that self doubt, you're not policing yourself. If you think you're great at all the time, uh, you know, then when when's the point for reflection or for change? I mean, if you just think you're so great, everything I touch, everything I do is amazing. It's like, you're going to, is it? You know, right. whereas if you have, maybe not as crippling as it can get, but if you have a degree of self-doubt, a degree of like second guessing yourself, a devil's advocate on yourself, uh, you might end up with something better. Not to the point where you wash the life out of it and suddenly you 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 end up with nothing but more to the point we just push yourself push yourself and so i think that would be it because people might think oh he's smug because he's got a hit record you know he was number one he probably thinks he's all that it's like it's not how it works (laughs) No, you you need
0: to be a little uncomfortable it's for the art to come Yeah, yeah yeah
1: for sure for sure
0: what do you hope your sons learn from you
1: just to uh really to 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 have empathy and sort of to see people's um think of people's what 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 it's like for them you know we can get so wrapped up in being um self-centered and see everything through our glasses mm-hmm. it's like everyone has a different perspective on things because there's someone else's worth seeing it so i think that it's i tell them just be polite and be funny and life is going to open up for you you know life's going to open up and that's what i think it is so I mean, my main, my main thing for them, they used to say to me over the years when, when I started having kids, have you started to write songs for your kids yet? I'd be like, Oh my God, terrible idea. No, I haven't written songs about them or anything like that. I said, the only thing that difference kids make in your life, and I have it with all four of my kids, is I want to, um, not impress them, but I want them to like what I do. I'd, how awful if they like, yeah, my dad's in the band. Yeah, I don't like this record. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to that one. You know, I want do to Do they like your music? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's driving and it's just right. it's powerful. And uh, now Kingston, my my eldest boy, he's been recording and he's been writing and doing some amazing songs. And he's he's That's really, amazing. He's very, very good. And wow. So Does he was,
0: ask for your insight or is he doing it – He
1: plays stuff for me all the time. He just played a new song the other day. I'm just blown away by him and his voice is getting really good. He works with, you know, other – professional songwriters so he he comes back with real songs not like him and his mates he's done him and his mates and that was gave a certain thing his band was called um oh my god it was best band name ever sex ed i was like really that's the greatest band name ever and now the band's not really happening so um but but but, he's
0: continuing he's writing were rehearsing my
1: garage They'd rehearse That's in my garage, and then they'd all be. I'd cook for, all, for for all of them. They'd all come for dinner. We'd oh sit outside and the big table outside, and I'd sit and I'd sort of quiz them, you know. And they, they, they were much more. They were sweet because they, for, you know, they saw me as a guy in a band because they're all musicians, and it, for King, I'm just his dad. I'm the caterer, you know. Right. The caterer who cares about him, you know, loves him a lot, so. It was an interesting dynamic as they'd rehearse and then we'd sit and eat. It was great. it's so much That's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. You
0: are the coolest dad and soon to be granddad, <laughs> Papa, ever. <laughs> Gavin, thank you so much. You are the best.
1: Thanks for having you me. You
0: are a true, you're a renaissance man and you are <laughs> just a lovely human being. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: How great is Gavin? I could seriously just sit here and listen to him speak for hours. Okay, it is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know featured on the Alison Hagendorf show playlist that link can be found in the show notes. I am kicking it off with the new song from kid Brunswick called "Blow." I love this artist. He is from London. He is completely independent. When I was at Spotify, I put his song prescription kid on pretty much every playlist possible. Um, He's just one of those true talents that he writes, records, produces himself. He cites Kurt Cobain, Tom York, Travis Scott, Trent Reznor as his influences. I just love his unique sound. I also want to feature the new song from Yannicka called Panic. I love this band. They are from Brighton. Um, Superstar, front person, Teresa Jarvis is a force. And they also write and produce themselves. I'm always just so impressed with that. the new song from LS Dune's Permanent Rebellion is a banger. I heard it and I was like, what is this? Who is this? What's happening? The answer is it's a super group and it's comprised of members from Circa Survive, My Chemical Romance, Coheed and Cambria, Thursday. This is a dream collaboration for me and this song is a go-to for any workout. I also have to give a shout out to the artist Ferdinand, formerly known as Left Boy. This song, Sex Party, is a rock party anthem and is also the official theme for the Alison Hagendorf Show. So thank you, Ferdinand. Much love to you. All of these songs, plus the latest from Bush, Heavy is the Ocean, which Gavin and I spoke about, will all be on the Alison Hagendorf Show playlist. The link is in the show notes. And I'd also love to hear what new music you guys are feeling. So let me know. Thank you so much for being part of the Alison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday. Make sure you follow and subscribe so you never miss a thing. You could find the show wherever you listen to podcasts and the video cast will be on YouTube and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. So please rate, like, comment, review, whatever you are feeling and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I would love to connect with you. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star.